Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the Riptide. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer, this is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy, hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Cretans, Cretans. <laughs> well, you got all of that one. I tried, I tried to do a little extra bite that time. You gave it, you gave it some gusto, some, yeah. some, oomph, some, some, uh, I don't know, I don't know what, what else, what other terms I'm going to use. Enthusiasm. <laughs> enthusiasm, yes. You had some enthusiasm in there. Uh, you know who else has a lot of enthusiasm? Our good friend John Blickman. There you go. Yes, John Blickman. Yeah. Enthusiasm. I mean, for for life in general, but he Indeed. really is enthusiastic about making some great brewing equipment to innovate your brew day. So uh, you know things like uh, over the years, like the beer gun. You know the, uh, uh, the Riptide pump. Riptide. Yeah. Hop Rocket. Hop Rocket. Name another one, John. Come on. Um, his uh, conversion for the rims system out of the Hop Rocket and electric electric brewing. Right. It has done a lot there. Yep. There you go. And then the, uh, yeah. And you can check this all out on uh, BlickmanEngineering.com. Uh, great website. Really shows a lot of the cool uh, uh I don't want to call them toys, pieces of equipment that you can use to improve your brew day. They also, you know, they also have a, uh, a more uh, basic line of equipment, uh, the Anvil mm-hmm. series. Every yeah. bit is, is, is tough and, uh, you know, uh, durable. A piece of, a durable piece of equipment, but uh, maybe, you know, a few less bells and whistles. So the price is a little bit lower, a little more entry level uh, for you there. Um, check those out as well. Uh, if you get a chance. Uh, email our good friend John Blickman at feedback at BlickmanEngineering.com. Tell him how much you appreciate that uh, he pays for the show. Um, all right. So today we are doing uh, questions that people have sent in uh, via email. You can send them in Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com. And we'll get those. Don't really answer those direct, but uh, we get them on the show uh, at some, some point in time. So uh, feel free to send your questions in there. Or if you're listening live, you go to the comments section just below that, that video on, on uh, uh, the Bring Network page on Facebook. 
and uh, enter your, your questions there live. And John will hopefully see those. And when he does, he will rattle them off. Today, we are talking about water, all water questions. John's, <laughs> John's all excited. I'm practically wetting myself. Yeah. He's, he's wetting himself. Ooh, this one's back from 2014. Wow. Ooh, wow. Uh, Chris has waited a long time to hear this answer, John. So don't let him down. Okay. Uh, Chris writes, hey guys, I have a question regarding mineral additions during the mash boil. Uh, I read John Palmer's book, Water, which has a ton of great info. I live in Atlanta, which has a very soft water profile. Great for making light beer, not so good for making dark beer. I've stopped adding chalk to adjust pH. As I read, it mm -hmm. takes three hours to affect mash pH. I now add baking soda until I hit 100 ppm uh, sodium. And this allows me to brew a... Um, 24 to 27 SRM beers. I hope to be able to brew 30 to 45, 35 to 40 SRM beers. Any ideas on upping the bicarb effectively? I have heard uh, slaked lime will do the trick. If slaked lime is a viable option, I have some questions. Any software to accurately determine how much to use? How to add it directly into the mash or should I dissolve it first? three, can I add it directly to the boil kettle? Thanks for the help, Chris. Okay. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, you can use slake lime or, or pickling lime, as it were, uh, calcium hydroxide to raise the alkalinity of your water to help you balance the acidity of your dark malts when you're brewing dark beers with uh, soft water or low mineral water like Atlanta has. The one thing about residual alkalinity and adding alkalinity to your water to brew dark beers is that um, a little goes a long way. Um, you don't need, I mean, you said you added baking soda until you're up to 100 ppm of sodium and think, okay, that's as high as I can go. Well, 100 ppm sodium is, is a guideline. It's not a hard and fast rule. But if you're adding that much baking soda to your water, I would imagine that your bicarbonate is around 250, 300 at that point. And that's a lot of alkalinity. I've, I've learned through experience over the years that even for a Russian Imperial Stout, you don't need to get much more than, say, 100, 120, 150 um, alkalinity in the water uh, because that is enough to balance the acidity of the dark malts and hit your hit the right mash uh, pH. So um, get a pH meter, measure your pH, find out where you are with that respect to that. Uh, calcium hydroxide works but I've, I have a feeling that you're probably not going to need it, um, that the baking soda will get you where you want to be uh, without it. Um, I think that covers most of his questions. Yeah, I think, you know, just, um, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to overdo it in water adjustments. Yeah. My, my lesson yeah. over, over life. Um, and yeah, it's probably not going to take quite as much as you think to brew, you know, darker beers. Uh, 
Yeah. The uh, color guide is, is simply an estimation. It's, you know, it's a numerical model. Um, yeah, it's, it's not hard and fast rules. Those questions are, is there any software to accurately determine how much to use if you're using the slaked line? Yeah. Um, my brewing spreadsheet has it. My, my brewing water adjustment app that you can get off Google and Apple uh, include uh, pickling lime, calcium hydroxide. I'm pretty sure Beersmith does too now. I mean, since this is from several years ago, I'm pretty sure that most of the brewing software incorporates uh, lime, calcium hydroxide now. How to add it? Do I add it directly into the mash or should I dissolve it first? I would dissolve it in the water first. It dissolves quite easily. Um, so I'd, I'd do it ahead of time. Uh, can I add it directly to the boil kettle? There is no reason to add it add to the boil kettle. Now you've answered all these questions. Okay. Good job, John. Thank all you. right. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Are you looking for a simple brewing system that's great for all green brewing, but everything on the market seems to be full of compromises? Blickman Engineering has the answer. The Blickman Brew Easy All Grain Brewing System. The Brew Easy is a complete system with easy upgrades and a beautiful compact design, perfect for any size brewing location. At its core, the Brew Easy is built on two gorgeous Blickman Boilermaker brew kettles, a high temperature March pump, and either a top tier gas burner or the new boil coil electric heater. The Brew Easy adapter lid allows the pots to stack on top of each other, forming an efficient, strong, and compact brewing setup that comes in 5, 10, and 20-gallon batch sizes. Upgrade your BrewEasy system with full automated control by adding a Blickman Tower of Power temp controller and make moving around easy with the Blickman Kettle Cart. The BrewEasy is modular. If you already own a Boilermaker kettle, you can build your BrewEasy by purchasing just the modules you need. The new BrewEasy all-grain brewing system. See it today at BlickmanEngineering.com and brew with Blickman quality on your new BrewEasy. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're doing uh, some of your water questions that have come in over the. the fine inner interwebs thing here. Yeah. yeah. Chief of questions about water. Uh, let's see here. Lenhart writes, uh, I think I have a strong theoretical understanding of water adjustment and I've used Palmer's water sheet to adjust my mash pH for years. As a brewer, I'm moving into a new phase where instead of just brewing what I feel like, I'm going to try to dial in a few recipes in my favorite styles And as I get there, I'm taking the advice to take water seriously. My local water is easy to work with, good for uh, copper to light brown beer, but low in sulfate and chloride, which makes it easy to adjust. However, I live in Flagstaff, Arizona, 7,000 feet above sea level and humidity between 5 and 20%. As a result, even a gentle boil drives off about one and a quarter gallons of water per hour. My typical evaporation rate is about 20% per hour. As far as I can tell, this is totally normal for the local brewers I know, and none of us experience excessive melanoid development, in case you were wondering. Okay. Uh, yeah, because you're at high, high altitude. Um, let's see here. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Here's my question. <laughs> 
beyond what's necessary to achieve. And he says, blah, blah, blah. I, I did not throw that in. I tend to read the questions exactly as written. <laughs> I don't do too much editing. Uh, here's my question. Beyond what's necessary to achieve the right mash pH, should I be thinking about the final concentration of salts in my beer or their initial concentration? That is, do I need to be taking into account the extra concentration of salts that results from such a large boil off? Cheers, Lenhart. I think that's a good question. question there. Yeah. Generally, the answer is no. You, we don't concern ourselves with the final mineral composition of boiling off four percent it's just like yeah it's yeah four percent more concentrated but not a big deal yeah twenty percent that's that's a significant amount of boil off more significant amount of concentration um there's no you know there's no guidelines out there for what the final mineral composition of the beer should be um so I guess it goes back to your taste. What do you taste in that final beer? Is it tasting minerally to you? Mm-hmm. If so, then yes, you know, you may want to add back water uh, going into fermentation uh, or, you know, at the end of the boil to uh, put back some of that uh, concentration that's happened. Chem- the chemistry of the water is critical during the mash because that's when we're trying to set up all the chemistry that's going to affect fermentation. Um, so once the mash has happened, once the boil has happened, we can add back water and dilute that chemistry a bit without really affecting anything. Um, yeah, the chemistry of the wort is important for fermentation as well, but adding distilled water back is not going to seriously affect that at all yeah uh it can affect you know the the concentration of proteins head forming proteins things like that i mean there is some some negatives no matter what you do you know brewing at seven thousand feet i think you're gonna run into one problem or another but you know maybe you just adjust back with a little bit of water maybe not the full 20 percent, mm-hmm. but you add back you know five percent in water and that makes the difference between the minerally or not yeah you know yeah. you tweak your mineral adjustments on the, on the pre on the mash side to where maybe you don't need quite as much as, as you're using currently. I mean, that would only be if, if like you're saying, John, it tastes minerally, you taste it in the beer, the finished beer is having a problem. Then I would look at making these adjustments. If it's not, then, you know, why adjust? Um, I mean, yeah, if it's not broken, Right. Right. But if it, if it is, then a little bit of, you know, distilled water into the, uh, or RO water into the, into the boil, um, to help uh, dilute it. Uh, and then a little bit, maybe adjustment on the, on the mash side. So you're not taking too much off of one end or the other. Yeah. Yeah. Might work out well. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Okay. Christian writes below are two water reports from my city, one December and the other July. I've been monitoring the water for over a year, and it seems that these are the two general profiles based on the season. I'm wondering just how different these two profiles actually are and how different my water adjustments should be. 
in other words, even though the numbers on the reports are different, are they basically the same or way different when it comes to making adjustments? Love the work that you do. Thanks, Chris. Let's see here. So in December, the pH was 7.3. It was 7.4 in September. It says December and September instead of July, but okay. Uh, sodium, 10 parts per million in December, 19 parts per million in September. Uh, potassium, less than one part per million, both. Uh, calcium, 21 parts per million, went to 34 in September. Uh, magnesium 10, magnesium 14. Uh, total hardness uh, 94, uh, 143 in September. Uh, nitrates, nothing. Uh, sulfate 9 versus 10. Uh, chloride 22 versus 45. Carbonate uh, less than one in both. Bicarbonate 68 in uh, December, 105 in September. Total alkalinity, 55 in December, 86 in September. Okay. They're not that far off. They're not. They're not that different. And really, with the exception of the total alkalinity bicarbonate, I would say they're the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've, you know, everything else is below 50, so a low concentration. Mm-hmm. And the calcium, 20 to 30 basically, you know, nothing. Yeah. yeah nothing. So, so the only one that's going from 10 to 19, that's nothing. Yeah. That's nothing. The only significant difference is the, the increase in the, in the alkalinity from, was it 80 to hundred? Uh, I think it was, or maybe yeah, 50 to total 80. alkalinity went from 55 to 86 by carbon. Okay, 50 to, 80. to 105. Yeah. That's, that's a significant difference, but, it, but in the grand scheme of things, not a significant difference. <laughs> you know, right. it's, it is, it, you know, it's a, it's an, it's a noticeable jump, but it's, it's really if still you, in the same ballpark. If you just boil the water, if you drop some of that out. Yeah. To... Yeah. You're still going to be doing your calcium salt additions to get the calcium up to, you know, 75 or so which is going to uh, really counteract that amount of alkalinity, not a, you know, that amount of alkalinity at 80 is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it allows you to brew a more amber beer versus a paler beer, but um, we're talking, you know, less than a 10th of a degree or sorry, a 10th of a unit pH, you know, difference at this point. If we, if you were talking a jump of, say, eighty to one hundred and sixty, yeah, that's when you start getting this significant pH changes in the mash. Um, but fifty, eighty, not a big deal. Seems like his his water uh, service is actually doing a pretty good job. Yeah, yeah, uh, keeping them, you know, pretty pretty close on the water. Yeah, I tap that. Look at you with the puns, the water puns. See, John doesn't get to use his water puns a lot. That's right. That's He's right. Really excited on a day like this when he gets to just <laughs> pun away. John is a punny guy. Uh, <clears throat> let's see. Scott writes, uh, apologies. 
All right. There's some typos in here. I got to say. Okay. Apologies in advance. I'm sure you've been over this topic 4,867 times. I'm brewing a large Russian Imperial stout in a few weeks and want to nail down the water as best I can. I've had my water tested by Ward Labs and have d- decent water for dark beers. I'm going to cut the total water with three gallons of RO to bring down the bicarbs. I'll attach my recipe and beersmith water recommendations for reference. My question is specifically about residual alkalinity. If beersmith is accurate, it says my mash pH should fall about around 5.75, but to get it down to 5.2, beersmith says I'll need to add more than 20 mils of lactic acid. That can't possibly be right. I've been listening to the water podcast and I think I know uh, that much acid will be bad. Am I overthinking this? I originally had calcium carbonate in there, but heard it's not very effective. Any advice would be appreciated. Love the show. Carry on Scott Wilson. Okay. This is is from 2020. I'll have, you know. Yeah. Uh, Great question. He sent a lot of data, um, sent some screenshots from beer Smith and, some of the more significant information is uh, one that, you know, it isn't a Russian imperial stout. There's, you know, heavy charge of dark malts. Um, it's a high gravity. So the malt is going to have an advantage over the water uh, to a large extent. Um, yeah, he's got high alkalinity at 280 um 280 bicarbonate which is more than i would want even for a russian imperial stout so i agree with him adding you know 25 percent uh ro water to, to cut those carbonates a bit um but looking at the the number the the beer smith results yeah, I didn't agree with adding the that that amount of lactic acid. I think that would be overkill. Um, so I ran the numbers in in my water app, and I ended up recommending um, simple addition of calcium salts, uh, five grams of calcium sulfate and five grams of calcium chloride to the 12 gallons of mash water that he was intending to use, targeting a final residual alkalinity of 120 for his Russian Imperial Stout. Um, and this, this was not with any lactic acid additions. Um, he sent back uh, some data from his Day, and he achieved a mash pH of 5.4. So uh, just 120 residual alkalinity with that Russian Imperial Stout grain bill got him to 5.4. Now for Russian Imperial Stout, I would even recommend a slightly higher pH, 5.5, maybe even 5.6 to help open up that malt character a little bit more. Um, But, uh, you know, this... This example, this this email, just goes to show how much of, uh, you know, how just how far a computer model can carry you. Because um, 
you know, you've, you've really got to brew it. You've got to test it and see where you come out. Um, because Beersmith, my own water calculators, they're estimates. They're, they're guidelines to help you and help you make the decisions on, you know, what kind of adjustments to make. They're not, you know, it's not foolproof. It's not, they're not exact. That's one of the things I love about commercial brewing is, you know, we're brewing the same beer, you know, yeah, multiple times a week or, you know, at least weekly on some, you know, and making an adjustment. I can, I can go like, eh, let's try this. Let's try that. You know, and just these, these changes, you can see pretty quickly how, how they work. Cause it's all same ingredients, same process, same people. And, you know, you can, you can see, uh, your adjustments almost, you know, I want to say real time, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's really nice. And that's one of the things I think as a home brewer, you have to brew the same beer multiple times. Can't just brew a different beer every time you can, right. and there's nothing wrong with that. And people, most people enjoy doing that, but if you really want to dial something in, if you really want to be, you know, a great brewer, if you really want to make, you know, God's gift to, to beer, you got to brew it multiple times and you've got to, you know, make these adjustments and, you know, figure out exactly how to, you know, tweak things into uh, perfection. So it takes, yeah. it takes some doing. Yep. If you are up in the, uh, in the Reno, uh, Nevada area around, around sparks, uh, our good friends, uh, Josh and RJ at brew chatter, uh, they've got all sorts of, uh, water adjustment stuff there. And, uh, even got the water book and they got a lot of knowledge on water and I'm sure they can help you out as well. Check them out. Our fine sponsors, brew chatter, brewchatter.com. Uh, good guys. And if you're, if you're up there like John and I were just recently, uh, partake in their wonderful bar of, 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 you know, curated, uh, fantastic beers and, uh, uh, the local, the local breweries and restaurants and casinos yeah. and, what a wonderful place it is. Yeah, it's a good beer town. I was surprised at the number of breweries and the really high quality beers they were they were serving there. Oh yeah. No, Reno's Reno's a great place to go for for uh beer beer travel. Yeah. Uh they got they got a lot of a lot of great brewers up there. Uh very very enjoyable. Uh let's see here. What do we got left? Okay, I'm going to do one more before we take another break. Uh, let's see here. Salt additions to mash. Um, Adam writes, hello, royal asshats of the highest order. Suppose I were brewing a pale ale with 100% RO water and 100% two-row with the pH adjusted using acidulated malt to 5.2. Is there any reason to add salts to the mash tun or should I reserve salt additions for the boil kettle? Thanks for all you do, Adam. I would say yes. There is a reason to add salts to the mash tun, mm -hmm. even if you're using RO water and acid, you know, acidulated malt to get the, the pH. Um, because there's more, there's more to chemistry than just pH. There is the mineral composition and the calcium, the magnesium that goes into the water, that goes into the mash, facilitates, you know, more chemistry than you know than what we're immediately aware of. There is um, some in the in the malted grains. Yes, that come that are come part of uh, 
you know, the environment they were grown in, but they're minimal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think augmenting that, I mean, I've, I've tasted a lot of beers in competition, you know, both of both Jamil and I, we've been judging beer for the last 20, 30 years. Um, and you'll taste beers that have a watery finish. They just don't seem to have much finish to them. Uh, and I think that, and very often it, it's there, they have been brewed with RO water alone. And there's, there's just not the mineral structure to support the beer's flavors in those beers as there is with a more normal tap water or RO water that's had mineral additions to it uh, to, to bring up those mineral levels and give support to the beer's flavors. Yeah, I would agree. You, you definitely need something in there. You, you know, you should build a basic water and uh, at least use that uh, in the mash. Um, and, you know, I, people continue to use acidulated malt. I am not a fan of acidulated malt because I think it's harder to control your, your pH. And, you know, once you do it, um, you know, you're kind of in there, you're kind of committed to that acidulated malt when you can just use some lactic acid. I mean, it's yeah, you know, same, 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 uh, unless yeah. you're, you're working under the Rhine Heights Gebot, it is, uh, it is not necessary to use uh, acidulated malt. So I, I've always been preferential to not using it and just use lactic acid for adjustments. It or is possibly. simpler. Yes. Yeah. And easy if you're a little short to add a little bit more uh, to get your, your pH correct. Because if you start throwing in more acidulated malt, there is, uh, you know, starch in there that will change your, your gravity. So if you have like yeah. a target gravity and all of a sudden you're adding, you go like, Oh, the pH isn't right. I'm going to add more acidulated malt. It's kind of like, well, now your, your gravity's gone too. So, um, I don't know, just a thing, just a, a thing. Uh, yeah. there you go. All right, let's take another short break. And when we come back, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Learning to brew has never been so disgusting. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. We're talking uh, water. Great, great for drinking. I think you're going to have a good water pun. I, I didn't have one ready. Oh, people should drink in this information. That's right. Yes, imbibe. Mm-hmm. Imbibe this information. Suck it up. Yep. Imbibe's a nice brewery up in uh, Reno area. Oh yeah, it is, isn't it? No wonder I was. No wonder I had that word on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> Justin writes, uh, "Hey guys, I'll get right to it. I work as a chemist and I have a good understanding of pH. I hope. Uh, however, there seems to be a lot of conflicting information on the ideal range uh, for mash pH. My understanding is that 5.2 to 5.4 is ideal at mash temperatures, while 5.4 to 5.8 is the best range when measuring a cooled sample." at room temp. This has seemed to work for me in the past. However, I was recently listening to Brad Smith and he corrected a speaker for describing an optimal range of 5.4 to 5.8. 
He said that he shoots for 5.2 at room temperature. I am in the process of running a few experimental batches to test this, but I can only devote so much of my brewing to experiments. Can you please <laughs> clear up the debate of ideal mash pH and measurement temperature? Thanks, Justin. Okay. Well, I happen to have in front of me the treatment of brewing water in the light of modern chemistry from 1935. Okay. And in it, um, it says, in summarizing the aforementioned facts and stressing their importance, we emphasize that the master brewer must create a proper medium for the process of masking, hopping, boiling, and fermenting in order to create a, to produce a fine, full-flavored finished product. Thus, the water must be so treated that at the conclusion of the mashing process, the wort will not only be at the correct pH between 5.2 and 5.7, but also that the chemical constitution of the wort will be such that the further brewing processes will naturally occur at its most suitable pH levels. The Wallerstein-Burton salts treatment adjusts the pH value in relation to the really important factor, namely the chemical composition of the water. And this adjustment assures reliable and certain results in practice. It is important for the brewer to recognize that the pH should be adjusted by the proper treatment of the water and that any further adjustment of wort by additions in the kettle or during fermentation is not only unnecessary, but in many cases harmful. By proper initial adjustment of the acidity and buffer capacity of the brewing water, the necessity for any further modification is eliminated. Uh, just lovely stilted language in the, in the selling of their Burton salts. But um, even as far back as 1935, we recognized that 5.2 to 5.7, as measured at room temperature, uh, is, was the range. Now, how do we know room temperature versus mashing temperature? Well, um, when pH was initially developed as a test, it was done at room temperature in the laboratory. And I confirmed this with Dr. Ludwig Narciss of Germany and BLB fame. Um, and he said, yeah, it's, that's why the EBC method and the ASBC method reference testing wort and beer pH at room temperature. That's where it's always been stated. Now, more recent work by various authors, including Charlie Bamforth and Wolfgang Kuntz and uh, uh, dang it. Briggs uh, from Multimarine Science, they will do, you know, mash measurement or pH measurements at mash temperature and determine the optimum pH for highest extraction yield. It's important to remember that the optimization of any one parameter, such as yield, you know, the most starch and sugar from the mash is not necessarily the optimum for best beer flavor and best fermentation. So yes, you will see data that suggests that you get higher yield at higher pHs, uh, such as 5.8. But when it comes to overall quality of the beer flavor, a little lower pH helps brighten up that malt and hop character 
Um, it helps avoid tannin extraction during the sparge. I mean, there's a number of other considerations that come into what the optimum pH is. There you go. Well, uh, yeah. So to answer the question, uh, in, in with more brevity, uh, I would say that, yes, these things are always measured at, uh, you know, room temperature, 60 degrees Fahrenheit or, you know, 20 degrees C or whatever it would be, you know, there's always a, a, a temperature measurement for it. And, while you can measure the mash temperature higher, no standards are set that way. Standards are always set at, you know, these lower control temperatures, all your, your equipment's calibrated to a certain temperature. That's where the measurements are done. Um, yeah. you know, cause, but, um, you know, the, the pH tends to be off like 0.3 between mash temperature and, you know, actual room like temp room temperature. Yeah. So you can, you don't necessarily have to chill it down all the way to measure it. You can just take the 0.3 factor and just say, yeah, that's, that's close enough. Give you an idea ballpark. If you're, if you want to mm -hmm. just get a quick test. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's always, always Brad, Brad is correct. Um, it's, it's measured at, uh, at, uh, whatever temperature and yeah, the, 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 the range, like John's saying, uh, you know, five, two to five, seven, um, doesn't have to be five, two to five, four, but that's what, you know, most people are, are, are targeting commercial brewers are targeting, uh, commercial craft brewers. And again, uh, it's not about getting the most extraction, which you might get at, you know, five, eight, uh, it's about producing the best tasting beer that you might get at a different temperature or a different, uh, uh pH. So yeah, there you go. All right. Jason writes, John and Jamel, during one of your water series, your guests talked about mixing lactic acid with chalk to RO water to get the lactic flavor. Is this a way to add chalk for usable calcium? My water is RO water with seven parts per million calcium. Thanks, Jason. Well, that's kind of like, I don't know. It, uh, I mean, adding acid to chalk burns away the carbonate leaves you the calcium, but you could just add calcium chloride or calcium sulfate to get your calcium without releasing lots of lactate and carbon dioxide as, as byproducts. So yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah. I didn't understand this question to, to be hundred percent truthful here. I was just like, well, we'll just let John deal with this. Um, yeah. But he says, you know, as a way to get the lactic flavor. So there's well, a desire to have the lactic flavor. Oh, all right. But then he so says, have, is this a way to add chalk for usable calcium? Yeah, I guess it is. If you, if you are trying to both get usable calcium into your water and into your brew, and you're trying to generate lactic flavor, you, you certainly don't want to add too much acid and, and, drop down below the amylase conversion pHs, uh, you know, and get the, get the wort too acidic and lose your yield that way. So right. neutralizing that. You mentioned dropping acid. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. Dropping acid yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah that, so neutralizing the la excessive lactic acid with calcium carbonate would be one way to do that. Um, 
or fermenting with a doing a essentially doing a kettle sour if you're looking for lactic flavor <laughs> would also work. Right, right. What do, what year was that uh, question from? <laughs> Twenty fifteen. Okay. Yeah. So oh, we've done three hundred plus shows. So I can't really recall which guest it was that talked about mixing lactic acid with chalk to RO water. Yeah, me either. I, I Fascinating. Don't it coming up. Fascinating. It's like a time machine <laughs> cracking these things open, like a time machine, I'm telling you. Yeah. Interesting. Well, and the title of his, his email was Water Munich Beer. Yeah, Munich, certainly not known for lactic flavors that's for sure right so i have no idea i have no idea what jason is uh asking here i mean i I think we covered it pretty good for what i mean you know hey we try here we actually try and we will get to every every question at some point so don't don't lose faith we will we'll get to them and i'll mix in some newer ones too so if you want to send some go ahead and send them uh let's do this one more short break and uh, we'll have more of your questions right after this. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right, we're back. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, we're doing your, your questions that you've written in. You can send them in uh, brew strong at the brewing network.com. Uh, any questions you have about brewing or whatever else, uh, just try and keep them relatively brief. Uh, you know, try and focus on one question per email and feel free to send as many emails as you want, but, uh, try and keep them to readable, readable lengths. Uh, it makes it easier for the show if I don't have to chop them up and, uh, figure them out that way. So, but we do enjoy your questions. It keeps us going. It's what we live, what John and I live for is your question. Uh, Andrew writes, uh, hi, John. First off, let me say that your book and podcasts have brought my home brewing to a whole new level. I appreciate everything you have taught me and thank you immensely. I've been listening to the Brewstrong podcast on water chemistry and had a question for you regarding mineral levels. Can you tell me if the following numbers look right? This is for Boulder, Colorado water, which is pretty clean stuff. Yeah. Oh, he's got his Boulder water report. It says alkalinity uh, 45, calcium 50, hardness 57, magnesium 7. It says, therefore, the individual mineral concentrations calculated from this would be magnesium 1.7 parts per million, calcium 20 parts per million, bicarbonate 54.9 parts per million. These were the only three I had to derive from the report. The others uh, were listed individually. Did the three calculations above look right? Thanks so much, John. I really appreciate your help and all you do for the homebrewing community. Cheers, Andrew. This one's a golden oldie, <laughs> April 2011. Ooh, ooh, we're reaching. Wow, decade, decade plus. Um, yeah, those numbers sound right. Yeah, yeah. Your hair wasn't gray back then. <laughs> Neither is mine. Come to think of it, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that weren't back then. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. um, Yeah, fifty calcium hardness is fifty. 
that's a, that's one equivalent. So it works out to about 20 ppm of calcium ion. So that calculation is correct. Um, you also had roughly one uh, equivalent of alkalinity. So that makes it for uh, 50 to 60 bicarbonate. A um, little bit of magnesium, 1.7 ppm. That's those numbers check out, and that and that makes sense for Denver water because uh, Denver tap water it's coming mostly from snowmelt. It's very low in minerals overall. Um, so even if they're even if they're pulling it out of some wells, you know, around the city, generally it's it's recent precipitation um, hasn't been in the ground long, and it's low mineral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, good, good palette to build whatever else you yeah. want on it. Um, uh, you know, I'm wondering, you know, perhaps we should, uh, do a show called how to read your water report. Uh, yeah. Seem, it seems like we may have done that during some of the water Gansas, but, uh, right. certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't hurt to hit it again. Right. Well, and we title it that, so it makes it easier for people to find. Yeah, exactly. Out of the yeah. 303 shows we've done. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's yeah. put that, let's put that on the list. I think that's a good idea. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's really uh, easy um, to do. Yeah. Water is one of those uh, topics that, you know, remains popular. Uh, yeast and water. I wonder why. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and people seem to struggle with, um, you know, looking at their water and saying, is it right? Is it not right? Is it, you know, how much should I change it? Should I not worry about it? And a lot of people I think are needlessly using RO and stripping their water down and then building it back up. And, um, I guess a lot of places it's only wasteful of energy and not much else because they have plenty of water places like California. There's not that much water and using RO really, you know, uh, you're, you're losing like half of it uh, oh, yeah. in most RO setups. Um, so it'd be nice to, uh, uh, you know, avoid that. But I, I think people are just way too quick to jump on the RO bandwagon. Uh, here at Heretic, we brew everything. We don't need RO. I mean, you know, the water is, the water's fine. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's people, uh, you know, I, I see people deal with water like this and they're like, Oh, I need to, I need to do RO. It's like, no, yeah, no, you don't. Yeah. You can make, you know, minor adjustments with some minerals, depending on the beer you want to brew and you're good to go. We brew, you know, Pilsners, we brew, uh, you know, uh, soft pillowy hazies. We brew, you know, standard IPAs, we brew dark beers, we brew them all. Uh, you know, it just takes a bit of adjustment. There's, doesn't, doesn't tend to be, um, you know, no need to strip it down and start over. Right. Yeah. You're right. I mean, it, it would be good to do another show like that because there's so many misconceptions, you know, they get told when they move into a house, Oh yes, you all have really hard water. You need a water softener. Mm-hmm. And so they think, Oh, I got this really hard water. I can't brew with it. No, it's fine. <laughs> you know, just, um, and you know, so as you said, there's, there's, so they overreact and install RO systems when, um, you know, just like the Denver water, perfectly fine. The Atlanta water earlier um, was also 
good for brewing. Yeah, it had some alkalinity, but not not a uh, non-adjustable amount. Yeah. And uh, well, yeah. So yeah, it, it, water adjustment's not as complicated as everybody makes it out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it does take take some time and understanding, you know, where in the ballpark you are with mm-hmm. these various minerals, you know, high, low, medium. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, maybe we can get some examples of people's water reports. Although they, you've probably been sent hundreds over the, over the past. Oh yeah. Years. I got a bunch. Right. You can, you can pull up some examples of, of uh, what they are and we can, uh, uh, it'd be great if we could show those on the, on the video as well. I could share screen since it's zoom, right. You know, we're working through zoom. I could share screen and show some. Yep. That'd be yeah. great. Okay. Let's plan on doing that. Okay. Uh, well, uh, good to see you brother. You too. Uh, good to spend time with uh, you and, uh, all our listeners and, uh, hope you guys are staying safe, brewing lots of beer and having lots of fun. Uh, make sure to support our uh, good sponsors, uh, Blickman Engineering, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com, uh, Brew Chatter, BrewChatter.com. All good folks. They really care about the homebrew community, and that's why they're paying for the show because they feel like we do as well. Uh, so until then, everybody, brew strong. Brew strong, everyone. Brew strong.